Welcome back to another episode of the Next Level Minds podcast. My name is Chris Chapman, and I am your host. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, this is a podcast dedicated to those who want to reach a next level in their business, personal, or career life. Every other week, I'm blessed to sit down with a fully qualified guest, entrepreneur, content creator, or mover and shaker in their industry and walk through their story of how they've gotten from point A to point B and overcame various adversities along the way. Now, before we dive into today's guest and episode, I just wanted to reiterate my main goal, which is to impact over 1 million people. So if you have not done this already, please take the time to subscribe to Next Level Minds, share this episode with a family member, friend, or colleague. And if you're really feeling special, feel free to leave a review on what you think of the podcast. Other than that, big announcement is that we are on episode number 50. So first off, thank you to all of the listeners that have been listening over the last year. Appreciate all the support on social media as well. Keep listening, keep subscribing, only forward momentum from here. Now, on to today's guest. I'm sitting down with Hala Taha. She's the host of Young and Profiting Podcast, which is a top 10 self-improvement podcast. She's been fortunate to really have some of the brightest minds in the world on her show. So make sure to check out Young and Profiting. She also runs her own podcast agency and she's got a full-time job at Disney Streaming. So I'm super pumped to sit down with her. I've been following her on LinkedIn for a while. She's got some great content out there. And again, I'm just pumped to really unpack her story on how she got from point A to point B. Other than that, thanks again for taking the time to tune in. And as we like to say here, your mindset is your greatest weapon for the battle of success. Hala, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to be on the Next Level Minds podcast. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. How's the uh, week going so far? I know it's Wednesday when we're recording. So Wednesday is always such a tough day. It's so busy uh, for me, back-to-back meetings, but um, everything's going well. It's been a good week so far. Can't complain. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm going out of town Friday, so I'm, trying to, I'm doing one of those weeks where you cram in five days in a, in a four-day week type of thing. So Yeah. <laughs> well, good luck with that. Yeah, it's uh, quite tired, but hey, we're, we're pushing through it, right? Yeah. Uh, anyway, no, again, thank you so much for, uh, for, for being on. Um, you know, I, I know you have a very impressive background, but before we dive into that, like I would love if you could just touch on your podcast a little bit because I've been a listener since like January 2019, actually, when you cold messaged me on LinkedIn about, hey, I see you like Gary Vee's content. You should listen to Young and Profiting. So I'd love if you could just take it away there for a second. I love that you were one of the listeners that I stole from Gary Fee. I love that. Um, So yeah, I host Young and Profiting Podcast. We're a top 10 how-to podcast on Apple. We're also a top 10 education podcast on CastBox. And um, I've been doing it for about two years. I've been able to secure huge guests like Robert Greene, Mark Manson, Seth Godin, uh, billionaires, CEOs. Um, It's been just such an amazing journey 
And we really focus on helping people profit financially and professionally by investigating a new topic each week. And I cover topics like entrepreneurship, side hustles, productivity, time management, all that good stuff. Um, really a broad range of topics because our listeners range from age, industry, uh, profession. So um, that's Young and Profiting Podcast in a nutshell. Yeah, for sure. Is there anything uh, that you want the listeners to know about like your podcast that you're excited about coming up? Um, yeah, I mean, my podcast is scaling really quickly. I just launched a podcast marketing agency and I've got 27 people on my team and I've been managing other really big podcasters like Heather Monahan and Jason Waller. And one of the things that I'm starting is a podcast network. And so I've got a couple interns under them, under me that have a podcast. I've been recruiting other podcasters to come join me in my network and I think that's going to be some major, you know, news, big splashes in 2021. Uh, but still kind of working, you know, undercover on that right now. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. Well, I, I checked out your LinkedIn, obviously, before this. And I, I love how your summary is built out. It's just like some, some quick, fast facts about you. So, <laughs> you know, with that said, I'd love if you could just kind of give your background a little bit and, and just let the listeners know about yourself. Sure. So um, right now I host Young and Profiting Podcast. I also work full time at Disney streaming and I've been in the corporate world for like seven or so years. Um, previous to that, I worked at hot 97. That's when I started my radio career. I had an internship, um, in college, I actually dropped out of school to work at hot 97 full time as a free intern. Cause that's what all good, uh, you know, radio, uh, interns do. They work for free for a very long time before you actually get a spot on the radio. And so I did that. I worked at Hot 97 for three years. I ended up being Angie Martinez's assistant. She was the voice of New York, one of the biggest radio personalities in the world. Um, she was definitely the biggest show in America at that time. And Hot 97 was the number one radio station in the world. So it was a big deal to be her assistant at such a young age. And it was a huge opportunity for me. And that's why I felt like, you know, dropping out of school was justified because I had this huge opportunity to learn from, you know, the best of the best. So I did that. Um, one thing led to another and I ended up leaving Hot 97. I went back to school to graduate and finished my senior year. And I actually um, started a website. I started the story of hip hop, strawberryblunt.com. And um, we quickly became one of the most popular hip hop and entertainment news sites in the world. Um, and I had 50 female bloggers under me at the height of it. We hosted parties, concerts. Um, we had online radio shows. I had several online radio shows throughout my life. Um, Young and Profiting is probably like my seventh or eighth show now. Um, so it's like lots of uh, experience under my belt in terms of radio and, and broadcasting. Um, I shut down the website. We, we almost got a show on MTV twice. You can dig into whatever you want to dig into. Um, almost got a show on MTV. We did, you know, a huge, we did a small pilot in the beginning of that didn't get it. Then we did a really big pilot where they invested, you know, over a hundred thousand dollars in us, got us a studio on Broadway. Uh, we filmed like a concert. We had a dance that we did. They filmed me at my mom's house. Like, you know, it was wow. like the real deal. And I was the lead in that <laughs> show and, uh, we didn't get it, which crushed my heart. And so I ended up, uh, you know, switching gears and I, I went and got my MBA, got a 4.0, went into corporate, got a job at HP, moved up the ranks, started my podcast, got a job at Disney, and here I am today. 
I love it. That, that's quite the story too. And I like how you were <laughs> dabbling in like so many different industries too. That's really cool. Yeah, it's, it was cool. You know, I, I really just like followed my heart in college and, and shortly after college being an entrepreneur, um, you know, before I even graduated school was, it was a really cool thing to do, like as a, as a young person and, and really helped me learn a lot of skills that you don't really learn in the classroom. And that's why I actually excelled in corporate because I really stood out from my peers um, because I did know so much about technology because I really learned on it on my own and I was dependent on being the best when it comes to social and digital. And so I was very advanced compared to my peers when I got into the corporate world and it, it was uh, to my advantage for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So you're, you're in New York now. Like wh- where did you go to school again? I went to the New Jersey Institute of Technology. Okay. And I, I listened to uh, another podcast you were on and I, I, you brought up like some high school stories you had about how you failed in some areas. Like I, I was just curious, how did you really bounce back through some failures at a young age like that? Cause I know it can feel like you're just hitting, getting hit by a brick wall, especially when you fail at 15, 16 years old. Yeah. So, uh, to your point, when I was in high school, I was like very average. Um, you know, I was like averagely cool, had like my average friends, uh, student. Um, and I, when I would try out for things, I would like make the play, but I would have like some stupid part where like nobody, like it wasn't like a big deal. Um, I tried out for the cheerleading team and I didn't get on it. I tried out for the volleyball team. I didn't get on it. Somehow I still had like the, you know, the drive to keep trying and trying again. And and when I got into college, I tried again and, uh, things were different. Everything I tried out for, I got, you know, I got on the cheerleading team. I was the lead in the play. I, I was, uh, you know, on the board of my sorority. And I think it was really the, it was a mix of two things. I think it was the environment that I was in. So I grew up in a really white, rich area. I'm Arabic. And when I grew up, it was like 9-11. It was post 9-11. So it's like I had all these things that were not necessarily in my favor, being like one of the only brown people in school, even though like I came from a very like affluent, respected family. Um, But it didn't matter, you know, like when it comes to the teachers and whatever, like they want to put somebody who looks like them in the, in the shiny spot. Then when I got to college, it was really diverse. And all of a sudden, everything I did, I like was like, if I touched it, it turned gold kind of is what it felt like when I was in college. Um, you know, I was like very popular all of a sudden, um, you know, the fraternity sweetheart in every situation. And it was just like totally different. And because I was so used to getting rejected, I just had no fear because I just had no fear to go for, you know, being Angie Martinez's assistant or to go for doing anything because I had been rejected so much before that I just always learned that like, you got to just get back up on your feet. And I can't, the, the one thing I can say in terms of, um, you know, when you fail and kind of like advice in terms of how to get over it, what I tend to do is I always like fuel that negative energy into something new. So learning something new. So let's start off with hot 97. I didn't give this detail, but I actually ended up getting fired by Angie Martinez. That's actually what happened. We're cool now. Everything's cool. Uh, but it's a long story. I was working for free for three years. You could imagine how like, you know, insecure that would make me feel, um, somebody else got a producer job when I thought I should have gotten that spot. I ended up 
texting something to my friend who worked there, who got that job, who, who was actually one of my best friends at the time. He showed the text message to Angie. I got fired. Devastated, right? I'll never do that again in terms of, you know, writing something when I'm mad. Uh, I was young, stupid, naive, uh, you know, and it kicked my ass. I ended up getting fired. So long story short, what I did is I fueled that into something positive. I decided that I'm not going to get blackballed into the industry, in the in the entertainment industry. You know, none of the DJs could talk to me anymore because I got fired from Hot 97. And it was really like I was put in this really weird spot where I basically, you know, they were telling me, you wasted three years of your life and there's nothing you can do about it. And I was like, no, you know what? Mm-hmm. There is something I can do about it. I'm going to take control. And I decided that I was going to start the sorority of hip hop. And I was going to start this platform for women in the entertainment industry who felt like they didn't have a place to shine. And I was going to build that platform for them. So I learned how to build websites by myself. I went on YouTube. I went on Google. I figured it out. I learned WordPress. I learned how to modify themes. I learned about, you know, SEO and and everything that I needed to do. I went on Craigslist. I recruited girls off of Craigslist to join the sorority of hip hop. I was like, send me your picture. Send me your bio. I had like a decent Twitter following at the time. I solicited on Twitter and I ended up getting girls from Complex, VH1, all these different companies and Def Jam to join me in the sorority of hip hop. And everybody kind of had like their own little followers. We were all like micro influencers, but Mm. together we were like this huge influence. And um, the website became super popular really fast. And then, you know, within a couple months, the same DJs who weren't allowed to talk to me were hiring me to host their parties with them. And now instead of being their little intern who was feeding the meters for them, I was on their flyer with them as like the main person who was hosting the party with them. So imagine like if you guys know Funkmaster Flex, DJ Camilla, whatever, I was side by side with them on the flyer when the year before I was their intern getting them coffee. Yeah. You know, and so it just shows you that like if you kind of take things into your own hands and prove that you can, you know, be respected and, and prove that you have like uh, a voice in whatever you're trying to do, people were, will respect you. And that's what I did. I turned a negative into a positive. I decided to channel that negative energy into learning something new, which was building websites and starting this new idea. So it's like every time I fail, I figure out how I can actually make my own path mm-hmm. by learning something new and starting a new idea. So even with um, Young and Profiting Podcast, how the same thing, everything that I've ever done has always come off the heels of rejection, every major accomplishment in my life. So let's talk about Young and Profiting Podcast, the story of how I started that, right? I was working at Hewlett Packard and I was the president of the Young Employee Network. It's an employee resource group and it's something that I started at my at my uh, office in Berkeley Heights, New Jersey. There was a whole global Young and young employee network across HP. And there was like 20 different chapters across the world, or even more than that. Like, let's say there's 50 chapters across the world. There was no chapter in New Jersey. I started it. So I became president for two years. Then I went to the global young employee network board. And eventually I wanted to be global young employee network president. And I was the most qualified and it would, it would mean I would be leading like 7,000 young employees in the world um, across HP. I was already like the face of the young employee network, uh, of the young employees at HP. I started this thing called HP spirit week, where basically we threw like 500 events around the world. 
Um, and there was like 700 people who participated and I was leading the whole thing. And, and so I had a lot of like accolades under me in terms of like why I should be president of the Global Young Employee Network. I was the most qualified. I was president for two years of my chapter. I was on the Global Empo Young Employee Network board and I started Spirit Week, which became like a tradition. And I was like literally the face of HP. So when it came for like voting for Global Young Employee Network president, all my peers wanted me to win. Everybody who was already on the board wanted me to win. And for some reason, like the HR person, like didn't like me. And she ended up quitting like a month later. And it's funny because <laughs> it's like, I'm sure HP is probably like kicking themselves that they yeah. didn't put me in this position because I soon left after like I didn't get it and everything. So I didn't get it. And what did I do? I was like so upset because I had spent so much time, so much of my free time being president of this like extracurricular activity at work. Looking back, I would never do that again. Um, because it's a waste of time. I didn't own anything. I was mm -hmm. like, I was already working for the company and my side thing was for the company. It doesn't really make any sense. It's not nothing that you can take, you know, whether you leave the company or not. So it was just a waste of time. So I was thinking I'm never doing this again. And I decided that I was going to start young and profiting podcast instead. And I said, I'd rather be able to share my voice instead of with 7,000 people. Now I'm able to share my voice with 7 million people if I wanted to, right? And 700,000 people, whatever it is, it's so many more people now that I get to share my voice with. And if I, if I didn't get rejected uh, to be the Global Young Employee Network president, I would have never started the podcast. And so what I did again is I, I didn't know how to podcast. I had radio experience, but I've never actually started a podcast. So I fueled all that, you know, being upset, negative energy into learning how to start a new podcast. I had this idea. I probably, you know, got the idea for young from young employee network yeah. and changed it to young and profiting. And, you know, now we're number one, uh, how to podcast on Apple on any given day. So it's amazing, you know, what you can do when you're rejected and you just kind of change paths and, and take ownership over your life. Mm, I love that. I, I love the resilience you had of just, like you mentioned that the success comes at the heels of rejection. Like I love that quote you mentioned because, and I struggle with this too, you know, when I do get rejected, whether it's small, medium or large, it's like, ah, this is it. Like I've hit a wall, but, but no, it's like, like do what you did and just keep going and, and learn and, and, and just build something with that negative energy. Yeah. And it's like you, it's usually the gatekeeper who doesn't want you to go through. Right. And then you need to decide, can I be the gatekeeper in this situation? And when you're your own gatekeeper, you have the control. It's up to me for Young and Profiting Podcast to be successful. There's nobody who's going to open and close the door for me. It's up to me if it's, if it's going to be successful or not. Same thing when I started my website. It was up to me, you know, and I trust myself that I'll be successful and that, you know, I will accomplish whatever I want to accomplish. But sometimes the gatekeepers don't see that in you and you need to turn it around and do it on your own instead. Mm, I love that. And how did you... Cause there's like, I mean, you Google podcasting, there's millions of results and WordPress. So how did you just hone in on, on just figuring that out? Cause I sometimes just have information overload and I'm like, wow, I did no action. I just read articles for the last two hours. I, you know, it was two years ago. So maybe there was a little bit less information. I feel like really yeah. in the past year, podcasting has like blown up in my opinion. Um, even though when I started two years ago, everyone said it was saturated. It was too late. Um, goes to show you that it's never too late. But in terms of like how I like sifted through that information, I just got started. You know, a lot of people 
they, they're just worried about taking action. I, I don't have that problem. I just get started. What I was like, you know what? Step one, hosting. I need to figure out what my hosting is. I did some research. I decided, okay, I'm going to go with Podbean for hosting. Was it the right decision? I don't know, but it got me started and here I am, you know? So it's like, it's just getting pen to paper, getting started. It's not going to be perfect when you first start being open to evolving as you go on. Um, my show format has changed since I launched. My branding has changed since I launched. Um, I've had different series and segments since I launched. So things are always evolving and it's all about just actually getting started. I think, I think people really uh, get blocked in terms of actually just starting. Mm, so true. I think the secret to get going is actually getting started. And, you know, you hear about individuals working on businesses and, and then a year later, you're like, Oh, how's it going? They're like, Oh, I'm just still learning things right now. It's like you should have taken action 10 months ago type of thing. Exactly. Just take little steps and it will all fall into place. I didn't know everything about podcasting when I first started, but I just did it, you know, and, and you just learn it as you go along. And if you're passionate about it, you're going to, you know, always read things here or there and you'll learn as you go along. And, and that's all that matters. It doesn't have to be perfect. You just have to start. Yeah. My, my very first podcast, I was with the guest that I was going to record the next week. And he's like, let's just do it right now. And I pulled out my phone, put on voicemail memos and just did it right there. And then oh, amazing. it's evolved since. So that's a great story. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, uh, stepping back a little bit and I really want to touch on uh, hot 97 in a second. Cause I'm sure you have a, a ton of great stories with that, but I did hear you one time mention uh, in another podcast about when you got to college, you started really diving into the law of attraction um, yeah. and really believing in yourself. So I would love if you could just kind of touch on that experience and then what is really the law of attraction? Cause I know a lot of listeners are kind of diving into that field as well. Yeah, sure. So, um, like I told you guys earlier, when I was in high school, I really was pretty average. Right. And I think the turning point in my life, um, it actually happened. I was like breaking up with a boyfriend or something. And, you know, that's when you always like, like kind of have time to like self-reflect and, and stuff like that. And so I was like going through a breakup. I think I got back together with him in the end. That, that doesn't matter. But <laughs> I was, I was going through a breakup and I, I wanted to like, kind of like find myself again, cheer myself up. So I ended up finding, uh, this author called Abraham and Esther Hicks right? They're this like old couple. If you guys YouTube them, you're going to think I'm crazy, <laughs> but they're like, they, this lady, her name's Esther Hicks. She says that she gets channeled by source energy, right? And so she has these talks and there's a lot of people that follow them. And, and the secret is based on a lot of the stuff that they talk about that big movie and book. Um, and so she gets like channeled by source energy and kind of like tells it how the world is in terms of like what, um, you know, our gods basically like want us to think and like, and, and basically like I really got into that and read a lot of books and started to realize that, you know, whatever you say or think or do actually manifests, manifests itself in real life. So what you think and believe becomes true. And um, there's actually some scientific facts behind this. I had John Asraf on my podcast. He's like one of the biggest like um, experts when it comes to like uh, brain science and things like that. And he talks about um, the fact that when you uh, bombard your subconscious brain with the same thing over and over and over again, your brain can't actually tell the difference between what's real and what's not real. 
Mm. in reality. So it's like your subconscious brain cannot tell the difference between what's real and what's not real. So if you tell yourself, I'm beautiful, I'm the best, I'm confident, I'm smart, I'm talented, I'm the best podcaster, I'm going to win. Like you're going to start actually believing that and acting like that because your brain can't tell the difference between what's real and what's not. And so what I did is like I kept listening to these tapes of Abraham and Esther Hicks that was, was like bombarding my subconscious brain with positivity and positive thoughts. And, and, uh, it really helped change like my, I think charisma, my, my confidence, the way that I presented myself in the world, because I started to believe all these things. And, uh, really like now I feel kind of like indestructible in terms of my confidence and like, like the amount that I believe in myself. And so for tips for anybody out there, like, you know, if you're struggling with self-esteem and confidence issues, one thing that you can do is like write down positive affirmations and like record them on your phone and then play them over and over again while you're driving, while you're uh, cooking or cleaning or working out. And you're, you're going to start to retrain your brain so that you actually believe these things. And when you believe those things, you'll actually take action towards your goals instead of being scared and not taking action like we were just talking about. So, um, yeah, that was a huge turning point in my life. I think I was like 19 when I found out about the law of attraction and big believer in it. Uh, do I think like, you know, 100% that you can kind of manifest your whole life by thinking? Not necessarily. I know that it takes action. That's called the law of Goya. Get off your ass. David Meltzer taught me about that. <laughs> um, so it's like you need the law of attraction, which is like kind of believing in yourself, thinking, uh, knowing what your goals are. And then the law of Goya, which is to get off your ass and actually do something about it. Yeah, I love it. The law of attraction is huge. I, I mean, I got into it probably a year and a half ago, but my life has just changed so much with all the positive self-talk. And I mean, every day when I wake up, I say, hey, today's going to be a great day. And it, it sounds crazy, but it, it really does work. It does. It, it really does work. Like, and every time I find myself like in a rut or something, I'm always like, you know what? I need to get back to being diligent about positive affirmations and the law of attraction and, and, and my thinking because your thinking will determine your reality. Mm, yeah. Your thoughts really will become your reality. It's so true. Um, so, so with hot 97, uh, I have two questions here. One is kind of a serious question. And then another, I have a, I have a funny question. So I'll do both at the same time here. So first off, you mentioned, uh, you know, with that, you were just hustling, working for free. I mean, just really innovating. I mean, like, how did you keep up a good attitude through all that? Because I know there's a lot of people that may have just graduated and they're not at the salary they want to be at or they're interning. I mean, how did you keep that attitude? And then the funny part, like I would love if you could just touch on a funny story that you've had of just maybe messaging the people on Craigslist and uh, with uh, yeah. all that stuff. So, <clears throat> Sure. Okay. So in terms of like how I dealt with not getting paid, so I was a hustler. And so what I did is I got paid by stuff out like using the brand. So mm. um, we used to do like Hot 97 showcases for up and coming rappers. And so I would sell tickets to be a part of these showcases and like meet rappers like at the stage and sell them these tickets and like hustle them. And so I was making money because I was doing this like showcase stuff with the DJs, right? So one one part of it was having a side hustle, you know, to, to make sure that I was able to pay and sustain myself at that. I didn't need a lot of money. I was young, but um, it was just one way that I kind of got through it. The other way was just like the, 
the excitement and the passion that I had for the work. Like I just remember like being really into doing the research for Angie and like running into the studio room to make sure that I was on time and, um, you know, having the respect where I was the one training the other interns, even though I was just like a glorified intern, but like, you know, I was like the main intern training all the other interns and, and like her main assistant. And so that like having that, kind of respect from Angie and the other DJs kind of helped me like, you know, go through it, even though I wasn't not getting paid. It was more of like the experience and being thankful for the experience and for the learning and for the contacts. Um, I met celebrities every day. So every wow. single day, if JLo, Kim Kardashian, Drake, uh, literally Lil Wayne, anybody you could think of, I met. Um, and that was like every day of the week, um, it would be somebody new. And so that was really exciting too. Um, in terms of funny stories, uh, Jay-Z put his arm around me one time and said he wanted to take me to lunch. <laughs> um, you know, I've got a lot of different stories like that where, you know, different celebrities, like, you know, if a celebrity came into the station and, and didn't hit on me, we would say they were gay, like as a joke. <laughs> so like just funny stuff like that. Yeah, no, I love that. And uh, was it, was it difficult just like meeting these celebrities and being like, Hey, you know, I'm an intern here. Or were you able just to like adapt really quickly there? Yeah. I mean, you know, nobody called me an intern. I was working there for three years. So even though I was technically an intern, I was Angie's assistant. You know, I was working there every single day for three years and like part of the crew. So I didn't feel like ashamed or anything and, or, or nervous. Um, you know, and I was so young where it just felt like natural, you know, I didn't really yeah. know anything else. It was my first job. My first job was just like being thrown into like this world of celebrities and, and like entertainment. And so I didn't really know any better. And, uh, so I just, you know, did it and, and, uh, it didn't, it didn't really, I didn't really have like nerves or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. With, uh, with the sorority of hip hop and, and getting on MTV and like, I'm sure that was, I mean, do you have any like just crazy like stories with doing all that or? Um, well, MTV was funny because they really were trying to pit the girls against each other. So there was like 50 girls in the sorority of hip hop, but the main five girls, like the top five girls got, uh, you know, uh, like signed by MTV. So I was the lead in the show. And then there was four other girls. Um, some of the main girls didn't get signed by MTV. And that caused a lot of drama too, where like some of the younger girls were signed by MTV and like some of our main girls um, weren't. And so it was just like a weird, I, I, I explained that badly, but basically <laughs> there's five girls and like three of us deserve to be the main girls. And two of them were like younger girls that didn't deserve it. And so some of our other girls in the sorority were really pissed off. And it was, that's actually one of the reasons why we broke up. It's because MTV like really kind of pitted us against each other and uh, made it unfair where some of the girls who kind of deserved to be a star on the show didn't get the spot. Hmm. So, uh, I mean, some funny stories is we, we hosted this, um, showcase concert type thing and we had to do a dance and we had to like learn this whole dance and, and like perform it in front of everyone. Um, and we had like, you know, matching outfits and it was really fun. Um, so that was a cool story. Um, I guess another cool story is just like the fact that they got us, um, uh, an office on Broadway. 
And if you can imagine like the real world where they have like neon signs and really cool furniture and they had like SB written all over our walls, it was really cool. And they would, they were like filming us on Broadway. And, and if you could imagine like young girls, we were getting our hair and makeup done. And then we had like 10 camera people following us, like just walking on the street. Um, it was an amazing time and feeling. Uh, we really felt like we made it um, because it was so cool, like being filmed all summer uh, by a professional camera crew and, and you know, thinking you're going to be on MTV. But at the end of the day, um, you know, it didn't work out. Yeah. Was it was it tough to deal with that news? Because I know you mentioned you've kind of been a master of handling rejection. So. Oh, I was devastated. I cried like somebody died because mm. I, I thought that this was going to be like my my saving grace. I had 50 girls kind of looking at me for success. Um, you know, with this, we would have all gotten a check every week being on MTV, like a, a nice check. I, I know that, you know, other events would have came and it would have really helped me monetize that brand. And, um, you know, being on MTV would have been a dream and would have basically made, you know, the three years that I worked on the story of hip hop worth it. Um, but, when they didn't give us the show, I, I just quickly realized that I needed to really focus on myself, really focus on my own education and sustaining my own life and my own career. Um, you know, I was getting a little older. I felt like I needed to, you know, make more money and really just be on my own. I was sick of kind of having so many people that were depending on me. I was the president of this group of 50 women and it just felt like, you know, every little thing I did was, was impacting someone else. And I really just wanted to be able to just impact myself and work on myself so that later on I could be a better leader. And so, um, you know, I just felt like it was the right decision to kind of shut it down and, and move on to, to work on myself. Yeah. I love that self-awareness that you had too. Cause I'm sure that was a lot of pressure being like this tiny decision affects these people, these people, these people. And I'm sure. Oh yeah. I mean, some of the hard. girls are still mad at me. Like some oh, of the man. girls, they're like, you know, how could you have shut it down? Like we were a sisterhood and some people were really still mad at me um, about that. But you know, I, I, it's like, it is what it is. Like at, at a certain point, if things aren't working, you have to be big enough to know that it's not working and it's time to move on. And so I, I just knew that it was the right time. Yeah. Plus it's, I'm sure that you weren't really spending that much time on yourself too. And exactly. if you can't spend time on yourself, it's not going to be good down the road. Exactly. And that's why like Young and Profiting Podcast, it's like I started it by myself. You know, now I have a team of 27. I always end up having like a big team because uh, I love to lead. But like, you know, I started it by myself and I worked on myself. And um, and that's why I think it's so much more of a success um, this time around for me. Yeah, absolutely. So then you did that and then switched to HP. Was that the next move? Yeah. Okay. So uh, you mentioned that you made a, a big impact there. I mean, you were heading this huge group and everything, but HP is obviously a massive company. So how did you just kind of hit the ground running in such a big organization like that? Yeah. So I think really the key was being a part of those employee resource groups. Um, mm. That really helped me stand out. So I think for anybody listening, um, if you want to be an entrepreneur within your organization, I think your best bet is to participate in one of your employee resource groups. If you're part of a big 
corporations. So there's many different kinds, like there'll be like the black employee network or the women's network or the veterans network, just depending on like where you fit. And then there's of course the young employee networks, um, which I was a part of at HP. And basically what it enabled me to do is get in contact with the C-suite executives at the company because I was the one planning the company picnic and the holiday parties and the charity events. And so I needed budget and uh, who you ask budget for, like the CEO or, or whoever you're going to ask. And so um, that got me a lot of FaceTime with the C-suite executives. And then, you know, they'd think of me when certain projects came up. And it really helped me like get promoted like over and over again at HP, um, just being that face and, and knowing that, uh, you know, they knew that I was very enthusiastic and, and uh, passionate in terms of the culture and they appreciated that. And so I got rewarded um, and that really helped me. And then I think the other thing is just being a non-traditional worker. Um, mm. The fact that I came in you know, I remember when they were uh, interviewing me, it's like my experiences that I was talking about was like, I almost got an NCV and I was the president of the sorority of hip hop. Like, who's going to hire me? You know, they took a chance on me. Totally. You know, uh, imagine like you're going into like a corporate job interview and like you're, you're telling them your experiences running the sorority of hip hop <laughs> and, and being a, a working for free at Hot 97. So it's like they definitely took a chance on me, but they obviously saw like, OK, this girl like made a big splash. She obviously knows what she's doing in terms of social media and, and web. And, and like, you know, that was my first gig was like being their web person and their social media person. Um, and then it just kind of evolved from there. And I, I just think being a non-traditional worker ended up being to my advantage because a lot of these people, they've got like institutional knowledge mm. and then they don't learn anything new. And like, so all the people that like the, the people that were my age at HP, like I was under them. And then I quickly rose above them because I had so much more knowledge and expertise because I had learned from the internet. I didn't learn from the corporation and only learn like, you know, what five other people knew. I learned what the whole world knew on the internet myself, you know? And so it's like, I had a lot more information at my fingertips than they did and a lot more experience in actually doing things. Because when you're like a one woman show running a website, you're doing everything. You're doing SEO, coding, mm. social media, training, recruitment, networking. And that's the other thing. I had like extremely good networking skills. And so I became very popular basically at the company um, and friends with everyone and, and uh, like able to kind of charm the executives and, um, you know, play the young card, but very smart girl uh, card. And uh, it worked to my advantage. And, and, you know, uh, that's, that's the best advice I can give is like being, you know, learning uh, outside of your organization, making sure you keep tabs on the trends and, and things like that, because it, you can very fast, like, uh, like one example that I'll give when I went to Disney, even though I, I was at HP for like four years, right? Before I got to HP, I was super tech savvy, like on top of everything because I was an entrepreneur, learned from the internet like I was just explaining, right? By the time I got at HP, I was like an old hat again in terms of like digital yeah. marketing. Like, and then I got a job at Disney streaming and I was like, where the hell have I been? Like everybody's so far ahead of me. And I, I felt like I was drowning in terms of like, not knowing enough, not being tech savvy enough. Here I am at HP, like the most tech savvy person 
But then I didn't learn anything for four years because I was stuck in an institution and, and only focusing on HP. And so I only learned what I only learned what I had in that bubble. And I didn't learn much outside of it other than podcasting, which was like in my last year, I got into podcasting. Then I got thrown into Disney and I'm like, oh my God, this is like a whole new world. Um, and I had to like get up to speed super quickly, um, which I did now, but that's the advice that I would give you is like, make sure that you stay on top of the trends and you've got side hustles and other things that are going to teach you information and knowledge outside of your actual company, because you could easily get stale very fast, especially if your company is not super advanced. Like at Disney streaming services, I don't have to worry about that because we are like one of the most advanced companies right now, yeah. but HP is kind of like a dinosaur now and so like that's why like i i felt like i had lost you know some of my um savviness when i was there yeah so so true I, and i'm a big believer too i mean the side hustles that you have outside of your normal job they teach you so many different skills and oh yeah honestly just keep you sharp so you're not just in that tiny you know corporate bubble you can expand so much exactly yeah um so have you seen pursuit of happiness by the way random question I, it sounds very familiar. Yeah, but I'm so th- bad with there's movie. just a scene where Will Smith interviews, but he was like coming straight from jail and he's in a tank top with all these executives and they're like, okay, we need to answer. I'm just picturing you're in this interview talking about <laughs> strawberry blunt girls and variety of hip hop. And they're like, okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah, for sure. But anyway, with, with Young and Profiting uh, podcast here, so I'm super curious because you know, you're know you a top self-improvement podcast here, but I'm, I'm sure there's not a ton of women in that space. So like, how are you breaking through that barrier? That's really cool. Yeah, you know what? It's really exciting. Um, there really isn't a lot of self-improvement uh, women in this space. There's a lot of podcasters that are women that talk about like families and babies. And there's some women who talk about entrepreneurship. But I really don't think that there's a woman that's talking about self-improvement and making it as much noise as I am right now, um, especially on LinkedIn and things like that. So it's exciting to me um, in terms of how am I breaking through that glass ceiling. Um, I'm just doing it. I'm just going after and shooting for the stars. I didn't assume that I wasn't going to get big guests. I, I just, you know, went after them and got them, you know, and I just have been strategic in terms of how to get my podcast out there um, using different social strategies. Um, At first we were completely organic and now that we're monetizing, I'm able to invest in my podcast with paid ads and paid ad placements. And that's been like skyrocketing my growth on the podcast apps. And um, you know, I'm just playing like a big boy and trying my best to keep up with them. Um, Also, you know, leveraging other people's audiences, like with the big guests that I have, um, a lot of them are impressed with the research that I do. I try really hard to have like a quality show. Um, I'm all about researching everything about my guest. By the way, you've done a great job researching too. So kudos to you. And um, yeah, and, and I think that, you know, my effort shows and then a lot of the guests, that, I, that come on my show have huge networks and then promote me. And, and then it kind of just amplifies from there. So I think all I can say is how I'm breaking through the glass ceiling is just really hard work and trying my best to be strategic and also be scrappy. I go for opportunities. I 
I, every day I'm shooting out like 10 emails to different podcast apps and guests mm-hmm. and whatever, and just shooting my shot, seeing what sticks. And, and, you know, every day somebody says, Oh, I'd love to have a partnership with you. And then that's one more way to get the word out, you know, and it's just little actions like that every day. Um, and that really helps me stand out from the crowd and get me visibility. Yeah, I love. I think that goes back to just the just the no fear mentality that you've adopted. Just every single day, no fear, going after it. I'll give you an example. Today, I emailed Complex. I emailed um, Chartable. <laughs> I emailed uh, who else did I email? Podacy. I emailed like all these different random like apps and I was just like, Hey, what's up? I'm Hala. I've got, you know, 64 K followers on LinkedIn. I'm a top 10 how to podcast. Do you want to collaborate in any way? Let me know, you know, and, and these people respond and like, I would say like two out of 10 emails is a positive response. And I end up getting some sort of cross promotion uh, for doing a LinkedIn post or a podcast read or something like that. And, and it just really helps me like stand out. Cause I don't think many people are thinking like that. Yeah. I think unfortunately people are thinking in that small bubble say, Oh, I'm here. I'm going to stay here in this bubble versus, Hey, let's reach out to this person in this side and see if this works. I mean, the worst you're going to get is no. Yeah. Some people don't answer. Some people say, uh, I don't really get no thanks. It's either they answer or they don't answer or they say yes. (laughs) Yeah. That's a a don't answer after multiple emails is usually, is usually a no from what I found out. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, okay. Last question mainly is just, you're obviously super active on LinkedIn, 64,000 followers. And I, I love the content that you have. Do you just have any like kind of quick general LinkedIn tips out there? Cause I know the platform's growing a ton. Yeah, LinkedIn is such a great platform for organic content right now. Um, In terms of quick tips, I would say um, definitely vary your post types on LinkedIn. There's a lot of like news sharing going on. So if you break that up with like a selfie video, you'll be surprised how well you do. So like definitely break things up. Um, text posts do really well on LinkedIn, short sentences, everybody's reading on mobile. You don't want to have big chunky paragraphs, Um, bright colors, bold patterns to stand out. Again, you want to stand out in the feed. That's your goal. Um, And just being interesting and valuable. I think a lot of people uh, try to self promote and nobody really cares. Everything that I post up, uh, whether you watch the video, whether you click the link, actually teaches you something that you probably didn't know before. Hmm. So uh, always try to provide value. Um, that's your number one goal when, when growing a community. And then engage with your following. So DM them, comment. If they comment on your post, comment back. Um, little things like that. Yeah, I love those tips. And I, I, I personally have such a pet peeve when somebody just shares their company's post and doesn't say anything. It's like, what value is this adding? Like, I know. And you know what? Sharing does really bad on LinkedIn. So a lot of people's strategies is to just share other people's content. LinkedIn deprioritizes that because they know that you didn't create it. That doesn't mean don't share my content because I want you <laughs> to share my content. <laughs> but, it, but, it, but in all honesty, like you're never going to grow a following that way and no one's ever going to see that content. It needs to be original content that you actually posted yourself. Uh, sharing is never going to get you any visibility. Yeah. And that's just authenticity at its finest if you produce your own content. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I always ask this question uh, at the end, but just with the success that, that you've had, what would be just your one word to describe that and why? My one word to describe the success that I've had. 
Um, I would say that would be resourcefulness. Mm. I am very resourceful. Um, I take every amount of time to make things happen. I work a full-time job. I have an agency. I have a podcast. And somehow I'm able to do it all. And it's because I, I use my time effectively. And I know that it's very important to be scrappy and to take as many shots as you can. So like I was mentioning earlier, um, I emailed all these different apps and, and platforms today for collaborations. It took 10 minutes. If one of them says yes, it could mean that 200,000 people get visibility to my podcast. And it took 10 minutes. But, you know, other people in that 10 minutes might be scrolling on the internet or watching TV. I don't do stuff like that. I use my time and I'm very resourceful. And it doesn't mean that you like you don't need a lot of money to do this. You just need to be creative and and use what you have in a creative way. And so I'm really good at that. And I would consider that to be like my superpower. Yeah, resourcefulness. I love it. Well, hey, thank you so much for uh, taking the time again to be on the podcast. Where's the best spot? I assume LinkedIn's one of them, but where you know the guests connect with you and everything. Yeah, sure. So um, this interview was all about me, but Young and Profiting Podcast is all about my amazing guests. We interview some of the brightest minds in the world. And like I said, we do tons of research and it's really actionable and valuable content. So you can find Young and Profiting Podcast on Apple, on Spotify, iHeartRadio, um, anywhere where you listen to your podcast, you'll find us. Just uh, look us up. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Just search for my name. It's Hala Taha and Instagram at yap with Hala. And then uh, if you forget any of this, you could just go to youngandprofiting.com. Yep. And if you do forget it, it'll be in the show notes with a hyperlink queued up there. So oh, don't worry. Chris. Thanks, Chris. Great job. Well, that's it, guys. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's episode of Next Level Minds. Be sure to subscribe to Next Level Minds. Also, check out Hala's podcast, Young and Profiting. Other than that, as we like to say here at Next Level Minds, your mindset is your greatest weapon for the battle of success.